It is great to be with you all. We've been in this series called Bland, Dim, and Boring and talking about uh, what happens if we don't interact with uh, the things that Jesus lays out for us, if we don't grab on to the identity that he gives us as followers of his. Uh, like what happens? Is that the life that we would then lead? And it would probably be pretty bland, dim, and boring because otherwise we have no place of substance to land. Uh, Pastor Jeff, opened up our series last weekend and kind of walked us through this really neat passage that's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And so we've been kind of walking through uh, Jesus's early ministry, landed, we've gotten ourselves into the Sermon on the Mount in the last few weeks. And then this series is kind of zeroing in where Jesus says, you are uh, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, right? And if we're going to be salt and if we're going to be light, then that's going to lead us to a pathway of life. But if we're not then that means that the opposite's probably gonna happen where our life is gonna be a little bit more bland and a little bit more dim. And what do we do with that? And who is in charge of making sure that we can kind of land in either category? So Jeff walked us through some of the motivations that Jesus had for kind of laying that out for us. He laid out uh, some of the struggles that we have to believe uh, our actual identity because we're just hit all the time with different messages from whether it's media or maybe you have people in your life that talk down to you all the time. Uh, maybe you just have a lot of negative self-talk going on, whatever it is. A lot of times we'll start to believe these things about us that aren't even true. When in reality, Jesus is trying to help establish that as a follower of his, there's actually an identity that you can have full confidence in, that he has made you to be, that he is working in you. And being salt and light is one of those things. One of my favorite pieces that came out of last weekend was this idea that Jesus is less interested in your last failure than he is in your next surrender. A lot of us can get stuck worrying about and dragging our feet through our past and thinking we're not good enough, we're not worthy. Jesus can't forgive that level of excuse me, issue or sin. And somehow, some way, we're the exception to the rule because we won't get out of ourselves way when it comes to our past. When in reality, the way that Jesus works is he's saying, take a step forward. Trust me, I'm the God of forgiveness. I'm the God of mercy. Let's walk forward. Let me show you a different path. Will you surrender yourself to me and let me show you what life looks like? And so as we talk about being salt and light, that's where we're gonna kind of find ourselves as Jesus is encouraging us to grab a hold of who we were actually made to be as someone that has chosen to follow him. Now, if you're sitting here or listening and you have yet to say, I know I wanna follow Jesus, where I think this will be encouraging for you is this is gonna be right out of the mouth of Jesus who we're called to be as his followers. And so you'll get insight as to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think, and I even pray, I'll be honest, that you would find life-giving message in that as well and that you'd realize it's worth giving yourself to uh, also. So our key passage for this particular series is in Matthew 5. We're going to take a look at a couple of those verses right now. Uh, verse 14 and 15, Jesus says this really pitiful, pivotal statement, you are the light of the world, like a city that's on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
this is uh, really important and maybe we understand the metaphor like, okay, I'm light. Okay, there's a world. I should put my light into the world. Jeff walked us through those identity pieces last weekend. If you missed that, it's online. It's always on our podcast app, stuff like that. But you're like, but what do I do? (laughs) How do I actually be the light? Um, I can't just walk into a scenario like, I am light, I am light, I am light, I am light. That doesn't work. In fact, that's awfully weird. Uh, Like, you can't do that, right? You might get arrested in some areas. Uh, Like, it's just the way that that plays out, there's something tangible here that Jesus is trying to help us understand. It's not a metaphor. And while believing and understanding your identity is pivotal and foundational to this concept, it's not even just about believing it. So what is it that we're supposed to do? You see, in our world, there are lots of places, right, where hope is hard to find. And if we're being honest, we have no idea what to do about it. A lot of us would love to make a difference. A lot of us would love to make an impact, but we don't know how. Or we feel like what we can do is so small, we wonder if it's even worth it. And when we look around and we see darkness in our world where maybe the light that Jesus is talking about could enter in, we're like, I don't know how to do that. And I'm not even sure if I'm the one that should do that. And it leaves us in a place of inaction. And some of us, this hits super close to home. Some of us, we're sitting in the room or watching right now and the people that live under our same roof that aren't here with us now are a part of the darkness that we experience in this life. Some of us, it's the classrooms that we walk in or the workplaces that we walk into that the moment we step foot through those doors, you don't understand the temptations that are running my way. You don't understand the only way for me to have a friend, the only way for me to get ahead, the only way for me to actually make a sale, the only way for me to, you fill in your blank, is to step deeper into the darkness. I have no idea how to be light in those scenarios. And then certainly our neighborhoods, our city has dark places places where nothing good seems to be happening, where being underprivileged, being oppressed, being under the thumb of poverty, feeling stuck in life, feeling like addiction has taken over your life, feels like the norm, and you have no idea how to break that cycle yourself, let alone to see it break for a community. And then our world right, whether it's something as tragic and terrible as the shooting that happened this last week, or whether it's simply a structure that is holding an entire small government down, or whether it's just the way the world is and this particular place seems to have a dark corner and we have no idea what to do about it. We look at all of that, and then we hear Jesus say something like, well, you are the light of the world. I don't know how to even start navigating what it means to engage my world as the light. So that's what we're going to get into today, right? We're going to get into a lot of this idea of how do we bring the truth of Jesus saying we are the light of the world into either one of these super close or even one of these super far away dark places around us where hope is hard to find. So let me just kind of walk you through where we're headed, right? We're going to say, where is the light needed, right? Where do we actually need to take it? How do we understand that you... I 
and the light. What does that even mean? And then how can we go about it, right? So just you're kind of tracking with me. That's where we're going to head. And so um, the first thing is, where does light need to go, right? This should be the most obvious question. If I asked audibly, if I wanted you to put it in the chat box right now, where should light go? It's to the dark places, right? Where is hope hard to find? Now, there can be lots of reasons why hope is hard to find. I actually just got back uh, from Guatemala this last Thursday. Um, We, as a church, are starting a new partnership in Guatemala. It was a phenomenal trip. I'd love to tell you uh, even more about it uh, sometime later. But um, it all started, ironically, with um, some darkness happening in Haiti. Uh, Right now, as an aside, Haiti is struggling Um, That whole country is just shy of being gang-led. It is incredibly unsafe to travel to right now. It used to be a place you could travel to as much as you want, no problems, no issues. And they're in a funk right now as a country. That's just something we can't do. And we were, uh, before the pandemic and before this kind of got out of control down there, we were sending four to six teams a year to Haiti to work in our partner villages and do missions work down there. We can't do that right now. And so we've been praying over the last year or so, and we found ourselves feeling like God wants us to work in Guatemala. And so me and three other leaders were able to head down to a small village called Chell, and we were able to meet some of the leaders there, the mayor, some church leaders, the teachers, uh, some of the people that kind of make the, the city, the, the village run. We met a lot of the kids, met some of the, com- like some of the groups and stuff that are happening in that community, and it was fantastic. But let me tell you about where hope is hard to find, because this place, obviously you have to fly to Guatemala. Um, that's, that'd be an incredibly long drive to even just get there. But once we landed, there was eight more hours of driving. Um, and that's not like hop on 71 and drive for eight hours. Uh, that's like Guatemala is a mountain country. It's mountains and mountains and next to the mountains are mountains. And so when you're driving, it's switchback after switchback after switchback, thousands of feet of elevation change up and down and up and down. You're in a stick shift van, so there's a lot of this going on as you're like going up a hill and do-do-do-do, you know, and then it's just another thing. And I was not wise Uh, which happens more often than you might think, Uh, but I was not wise. And on the drive there, the initial uh, stretch, I'm like talking with the people in the van and having a lot of fun. We're playing games. We're reading a little bit. Foolish, right? Because about three hours into it, we're just all like, oh, oh, like where is the straight road, right? Where is this going? Uh, we, we decided that it was really, really smart to just look out the windshield after that. And we did okay. Uh, it was fantastic. But It's a gorgeous drive, but it's a mountain drive. And so again, you're up and down and gravel and all this kind of stuff. And then you find yourself at the base of two different mountains where there's a river running in between. And at that village, eight hours away from the capital city, through all of this terrain is the village of Chell, right? Now, Chell is a beautiful town, Uh, just wonderful culture, wonderful people, some really neat things happening, but they're in a sticky situation because where they're at, when a massive storm breaks, for instance, like the hurricanes that hit Central America very hard a couple years ago, um, like bridges to their village were washed out. And so there's no like, we'll just get on the other road. That was the bridge, right? And so you can imagine, okay, they can live in their village for a while, 
No supplies coming in, no food coming in, none of their commerce going out, trying to figure out how to navigate all of that. And so they're trying to figure out how do we do disaster prevention? How do we do education differently? How do we, there's so many questions. They're trying to figure this out and being in such a remote place, it's not typical answers. And so they've been working on it together as a small town. We're coming in to help. How can we support and bolster through lots of different initiatives to see some of this village have more and more expressions of light, even though it's an incredibly hard place. And so I got to do that this last week along with these leaders. And we're really looking forward to a longer term partnership there. Now, that's one small example of where hope is hard to find because there's a lot of issues and there's a lot of things going on. Um, But we can be a part of what brings light to places like that. And it's not just because we're special. And it's certainly not because we're from the United States. It is because, and here's your rocket science phrase of the weekend, it's because you are light. You are light. Like, I'm going to say that again, because even after last weekend and even after right now, some of us have a really hard time of like admitting that I'm not even sure all of us could utter those words from a personal standpoint that I am light. That would make some of us feel very uncomfortable because we find it hard not to believe the lies that are continually thrown our way. But why are we light? Because if we're not careful, the only danger to believing this too strongly is we think we're the source of it. We think we're the light because we're awesome or because we're smarter or we're well-read. That was ironic. Um, Well-wed. Waskily wabbit. Okay, so that was a really old reference. Uh, Some of you are like, that's my childhood. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Um, That's okay. But we, we think that we deserve the status of being light. I'm smart, I got it together, I spend my money correctly, I handled it, I haven't found myself in a lot of trouble, I'm not stuck in life's mud, therefore it's obvious why I'm the light and that has nothing to do with it. You see, the reason that we're light, Paul explains it here in Ephesians chapter five, he says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. See, a lot of us, we don't do it on purpose. It's something we accidentally just kind of find ourselves slipping into. But a lot of us, once we follow Jesus, we start to experience some of that light. We start to see other people not have it. We start to separate. We're like, wow, there's a lot of differences there. Wow, I have light. They don't. Gosh, I'm kind of better than them. And we kind of slip into that temptation if we're not careful. It's natural, but it's also incorrect because once You were full of darkness. I was certainly full of darkness. I've told some of you before, my wife was warned not to date me. That's how full of darkness I was before she met me, right? Like there are times in our life when we look back, especially those of us that have decided to follow Jesus before he started working in our life, where there's tons of dark moments. And the only reason that we have light now is because someone showed us the light. 
Someone brought the light into the dark place that was us. And so Paul is reminding us in this passage, hey, once that was you. Once you were in that village, once you were that neighborhood, once you were that family, once you were that individual that desperately needed light to show up and begin to transform you. Now that you've given your life to Christ, you have the light from the Lord. And that makes that statement, you are light, incredibly true. But the important part of this is remembering where did that come from? And if we can remember that that light comes from our dependence and our life in Jesus, then we can truly be the light of the world. Now, if we're supposed to take it to the dark places, and the it in this scenario is us, we're the light, the question still remains, what do we do? Well, thankfully, Paul gives us a wonderful passage that I want to walk through a little bit quickly, but I got to be honest, if you get nothing else out of this weekend, mark this passage down and read it like 40 times this week and allow what God is trying to get across and imprint into your heart. Let that just cement itself there so that this becomes a more natural way that we think on the regular, that we're actually willing to put ourselves in the situation that we would live a light-filled life in this way. It's in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole scripture, by the way. But Romans 12, starting in verse 9, says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Pause. We could talk for weeks on this one phrase. Don't just pretend to love others. Have you ever noticed... In our culture today, there's almost this like, hey, moron, you're supposed to be loving people more mentality. Like, I'm not going to love you because you're not very loving, but you're supposed to be loving, so you better start loving because otherwise you're a moron. I mean, it's like this weird cyclical thing that's really hard to pick up, but that's because that version of love is not love. That's simply, if I like you, I like you. And if I don't like you, I don't. That's not love. But we slip into that very, very quickly. It's also odd. Maybe you're not like this, but some of us, we we say, I love you at really weird times. We have a really hard time sometimes, like calling up dad or mom or a family member or a brother and like telling someone that's close to us, like, I love you. And it's not just a greeting or a, a goodbye. We're like, no, for real. You're one of the people in my life that I appreciate and value and love the most. We have a hard time sometimes telling people that we're close to that statement, but we love pizza. I can say that all day long. I love pizza, right? I, I, I love the Browns. I love my Buckeyes, right? I love days like this weekend where you can roll the windows down and stick your arms out and just dry. It's like perfect, right? I love those days. We can say love at meaningless times, no problem. And we can't hardly get ourselves at times to say love when it counts. And then sometimes as a culture, we argue that love is something that really isn't even love to begin with. And here's Paul just saying, simply put, don't just pretend to love others. Don't pretend. Really love them. It gets into how we do that. So hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, 
but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. If you were ever going to get a tattoo, maybe get that like backwards up and down your arm so that you look in the mirror, you can read it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if our households were full of that? Can you imagine if when we went to school, if we went to work, that that's how we interacted with each other? Can you imagine what our world would look like with that kind of hospitality, with that kind of patience, that we actually took things that were evil and we hated it. We separated ourselves from evil actions and instead clung to what is good as opposed to trying to mix and mash because, well, I like that movie and I, I want these things and you can't take that. from Like, we try to mash them together too much. Can you imagine what it would look like to love that way? And the light that that would bring to darkness. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, if you get nothing else, write down this passage and read that a bunch this week and pray, God, will you transform my heart in those ways? Because that's where the power's at. Now, I want to fill in a few gaps um, because some of us are still thinking to ourselves, yeah, but how? How do I love that way? How do I have that patience? How do I do those things? What steps can I take? Because I don't want to just walk out of here. I don't want to just log off and figure out like, I guess I'll just walk in and do the whole I am light thing because I don't know what to do. And I think, I think God gives us some uh, handles on how to take care of this, not only through passages like that, but also through watching other believers who were like that person, when they show up, as they live their life, they bring light. And how can I mimic and imitate that? So as I was praying through this, these passages and thinking through this, I, I wrote a couple of things down that I think would be helpful mindsets as we think of how do we bring light into the darkest places. The first one, and these are going to be simple, but I think pretty profound, is through partnership. Too often, we think that we have to do things on our own. That you have to be the hero, that I have to be the hero, that I have to fix my family, that I have to fix my neighborhood, that I have to fix my city, that I have to make sure that these places all around the world know who Jesus is. And we overshoulder the burden to do those things. But one of the greatest ways to bring light into our world is actually by exercising something that Jesus himself prayed for, and that's unity. 
that's working together with other people to get something done or to help something move forward. Now, this can be how we interact with others and simply realizing that we need to engage them or it could actually be realizing that there are other individuals trying to do something similar to what we're trying to do. There are other organizations. There are other churches out there that are great churches. It's not just Grace. I love Grace Church, but we're not the only ones. And we can partner together with these churches, these organizations, these businesses, these people, and start to see some incredible things happen. One of my favorite stories of something that happened uh, a couple of years ago in one of our last teams that went to Haiti was when one of our adult teammates hopped off the tap tap, one of the kids that is sponsored by a family here at Grace ran up to the truck and said, is Brent here? Now, some of you might know Brent. <laughs> Others of you, I'm sure, don't. But one of our adults did. And she responded, actually, not only do I know Brent, and he's not here this time, but I work with Brent. I know Brent really well. And that kid and that adult were fast friends from that moment on for the rest of the week. And for the rest of the week, that kid hung out almost like that was their aunt. And they walked around and they hung out and they played games together and they sang songs together and they sat next to each other at the church service. And the, that, they got to visit that kid's house and they got to talk about all kinds of things. And it's not because that other adult was awesome. It's not even because Brent was awesome. It's because of the partnership of working together and watching someone realize that not only is that person willing to bring light into my circumstance and not only is that person willing to bring light into my circumstance, but how they're working together is actually showing me a whole new layer of this that is incredibly powerful. We can partner together. We, have, we might have no idea how to do something in our community. There are fantastic organizations in our area that are doing wonderful things in some of the darkest pockets of our city. And we can partner with them to be a part of bringing light into those scenarios. We can reach out and say, I don't know how to handle what's going on in my family with my spouse, with my kid, with my aging parents, whatever it is, I don't know how to navigate this, then don't do it alone. Partner with your life group, partner with your church, partner with people that are either walking through a similar circumstance and they're trying to do it for Jesus too, or partner with people that have the resources and that have navigated this before and know how to do it. If we continue to try to do things on our own, we're missing a huge part of what it means to be the light because connection and that unity and that partnership is a big part of what Jesus calls us to. The next thing that I wrote down was we gotta make it relational. Too many times our temptation is to make it informational. Here's what you need. Here's the answer. Here's the answers. You know what you need to do. And you know what people hear when we start with those types of phrases? Blah, 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 you don't care. If it's just information, you don't care. Relationship, relationship is what moves things forward. You know, on these same short-term trips, time and time and time and time again, do you know what those communities say is the most valuable part of our time in those countries? Uh, it's the work projects? No. Um, is it the vacation Bible schools? Not necessarily. Well, is it the community program? Not necessarily. You know what the answer is almost every time? 
when they came and visited me. When we showed up at their house, when we showed up in their apartment and we talked and we asked questions and they asked questions and we pray together time after time after time again. The simplicity of getting to know someone is the power of being light. When we're able to actually get to know one another, trust is built. Bridges are extended. Understanding is met. And instead of me walking in and saying, I have the answers and poor old you, no matter what the scenario is, need my answers, we can actually get somewhere when we can walk arm in arm and begin to actually build a relationship together. Even when we serve and do the projects, they're wonderful. But it's to start a relationship. It's to build a bridge to get to know someone. I don't rake my neighbor's leaves just to rake their leaves. I rake their leaves so I can get to know them a little bit, even if it ends up being surface level. I want to know them. I want them to know that their neighbor cares for them. It's not just the task. We have to make it relational. The next thing I wrote down is it has to be intentional. Lights don't turn on accidentally. You gotta actually like reach up and flip the switch or you gotta tell Alexa, turn the light on, right? Like they don't just do that. If they do in your house, you should really have that checked out. It's a fire or something, Never mind. Okay, so, but we have to be intentional. Some of us were like, you know, I wanna volunteer someday and someday I'll do that. Someday, I'd love to do that in my community. Someday, I'd love to go on one of those trips. Someday, I'd love to invest in someone else's kid that just doesn't have those influences in their life. Someday, I would love to brainstorm being a foster parent or an adopt a child. Someday, 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 someday. Have you ever noticed that life never really gets less busy? If the unintentionality of someday is when we plan on being light, my guess is you're not going to be. It has to be intentional. We have to sign up for the thing. We have to take a step forward. We have to tell someone we want to start working on this. We have to call the organization. We have to do the thing. Joe, I want to go on one of those trips next year. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about how you're going to raise a few funds or start putting some money aside. Let's get you into the trainings and let's make sure you have a wonderful experience. I think I want to start helping in my neighborhood. Excellent. Let's make the phone call. Let's find out what day of the week works for you. There's a couple that uh, is a part of our church. Their names are Ben and Tanya. They moved down to Costa Rica this year for language school. They're going to move to Mexico next year to be cross-cultural missionaries. They had never done a mission trip before. They had never thought about missions. They were normal people. I don't know what normal means, but they were normal. Um, they were normal. But all of a sudden, one fall afternoon, Ben's like, I can't shake the fact that I think God is calling us to be missionaries. And he started talking about it with his wife and his three little kids, and they were like, this doesn't seem normal. This has not been on our radar. We have no idea what we're doing. And you remember that? dark period in our history called quarantine. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. 
But you know what they did during quarantine? I gained the COVID-19. You know what they did? (laughs) They canceled their cable and spent every night after putting the kids to bed in prayer. God, what what are you trying to tell us? Where are you trying to take us? What do you want to do in our life? So intentional. It wasn't haphazard. God doesn't physically pick people up and say, now you're in Mexico. God doesn't show up at your house and rearrange your schedule and do your dishes and get all the honeydew list stuff done and say, now that you have time, will you please go tutor these kids? God calls us to be intentional. We're normal people. We're busy. You're busy. If God's nudging you, calling you, wanting you to be light, then he'll work that part out. But we have to take the step forward. The next thing I wrote down is steady and consistent is way better. It's not always about the big splash. A lot of times we, we want to do something big. We want to do something grandiose. We want to we serve big. And um, nothing is wrong with what I'm about to say, but over the last 15 years or whatever that I've been a pastor, I've gotten hundreds of requests. And again, nothing wrong with this. And they want to do a service project. And what is 99 times out of 100 meant by that is I want to serve one time on this one day that I happen to be available. What do you got? And again, nothing wrong with that. But do you know what brings light to dark places? It's consistently being there. Can you imagine if the lights in your home worked once a year and they were the brightness of the sun? Oh, today's the day. You know, like, and then the next day they don't work anymore. But you got the one really cool big day of light. Wouldn't you much rather have mediocre light every day in your house than one day of awesome light? Sometimes we don't step into things because we don't think we're awesome enough light. And first of all, I'll remind you, Jesus is the light in you, not you. So that part's covered. Second, people in these dark places need consistent light. They need consistent trust. They need to meet people that they're learning actually care about them and actually love them and will actually help them. Walking in and doing a service project, even when they're needed, can be great. It can be like shining the sun at one day in a house. It can be awesome. But what's needed is the consistency. So maybe it's every other Tuesday for an hour. Maybe it's every other Friday. Maybe it's every, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to make that up for you. But finding the place, maybe in partnership, all the things we've talked about, where can we be consistent so that we can build the trust and the bridge of relationship is fortified and that light becomes something that can change their life. I also wrote down, uh, we need to do things with people, not to them or for them. Um, 
I'm not better than anybody else. You're not either. We're not supposed to walk in with all the answers. We're not supposed to walk in and say, just do things like me, I got this covered. I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to introduce people to me anyway. I'm trying to introduce them to Jesus. The bracelet from 20 years ago that said WWJD was not what would Joe do, right? That would be terrible anyway. I want to introduce them to Jesus. I want to do something with them. I was once in darkness too. Let's lock arms together and let's step in the light together. Let's be with each other. Let's learn from each other. Let's experience life together. And you might be sitting there thinking, but Joe, I really have figured this out. Joe, I am really good at those things. Joe, I am, okay, wonderful. And I bet God's gonna use those amazing things. But do you know how much more effective it'll be once you've established that relationship and you're walking alongside life with them and now they want to know what you have that you've experienced, that you've learned, that you're really good at as opposed to showing up as the, I'm going to show you how this works. If we can work with people, the light is so much more powerful and so much brighter. I wrote down two more things. One is simply, we need to build his kingdom. And I'm not gonna dive too deeply into this because especially the gospels, the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are full of things where Jesus talks about what is the kingdom and how does that work. But we need to help people on this earth experience the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. If we're gonna bring light We need to build his kingdom. And the last thing I wrote down was we need to bring his message. Because sometimes it can be tempting to feed someone, to help someone, to bring them their education, to help them make some more money and never introduce them to the hope that will fill up their soul and that will bring them back to their father's house for eternity. Helping someone have a wonderful life on this earth and not introduce them to Jesus is terribly unloving. So a part of how we can bring light into dark places is also by helping people realize how awesome Jesus is. We have to do that too. Now, as we think about all of these different things we just walked through, I hope that that's encouraging to you, that there are ways to step out with others to be even a small light in dark places and make a great impact. And we together as a church can help each other. Maybe we're the people we lock arms with. Maybe we're the ones that can introduce you to one of these organizations. Maybe three of you wanna go do something together. That's totally awesome, you should do that. Maybe you want to sign up for these opportunities. Maybe you want to be a part from the other side of of the summer kickoff night next summer. You're like, I want to go on one of those trips. I want to be a part of that. Maybe God's been stirring in you like the couple I mentioned earlier. I think God's called me to do something that seems crazy, but I'm not really sure. If God is encouraging you to do those things, let's step into that. And we want to help you take those steps to learn and explore what God is asking us to do, to learn and explore what being light is, to take those steps of faith, no matter how small we feel like our light might be, and begin to experience what it would be like to insert it into one of those dark places. 
Let's take those steps together. Let's do that. Now, my guess is that a few of us still feel like, but seriously, Joe, I don't know enough. I can't, I, I, I can't do this. I'm not sure how I could possibly step into any of those things. I want to encourage you with one last idea. Obviously, this is a light. At the moment, this might be how you feel. Okay, I kind of get it. I kind of guess I'm a light, but I don't feel like I'm doing much good. There's two very simple things but are absolutely pivotal for our lives if we're going to be light and be effective. And one is, this light doesn't do anything if it's not plugged in. I've mentioned probably three or four times Jesus is the one that is the light working in and through us. But some of us are still trying to operate this way. And we're not building that relationship with him. We know what people have tried to show us, teach us, help us, even offered to walk through with us. And we haven't decided to actually attach ourselves to the light to allow ourselves to be connected to the power and the grace that's gonna propel this forward. And if no one has shown you those things, again, that's why we're here as a church. We would love to help you do that. And the second thing is, we actually have to turn it on. Some of us, we believe we're a light and we just never turn it on. We go to work, I'm a light, but then we operate in our normal MO. We talk the way that we talk and we operate that we operate. And then we're like, I don't know why people never ask me about the hope that's within me. And we show up to school and we tease the same people and we cheat on the same test and we treat our girlfriend or boyfriend that way and we sign up for all these different things and I don't know why they never ask if they want to come to youth group with me. That'd be, it's weird. Because we keep our light off. And we go home and we yell again and we scream again and we do these things and we keep the light off. And I'm not saying it's easy. That's not what I'm saying. But if we don't plug in and we don't turn the light on, a light's still a light. It's just not doing much good. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, well, no one puts it under a lampstand. Shine your light before others so they can start to see the good deeds of your father. Be intentional. Be relational. Spend time with me. And allow his light and life to start changing yours so it can also start changing others. If we do this, our families, our community, our city, our world, it's going to get a little brighter. Maybe not all over. But in the places you're going, in the places we're going, we're going to do everything we can, even if hope is hard to find, to bring light to dark places. And if we do this together, bland, dim, and boring will not describe us. But life change, eternity change, Family restoration, 
addiction broken, purpose and life discovered. The list goes on and on and on of how Jesus will change our worlds. You are the light. The band's going to come out and um, they're going to lead us in a time of music and singing. And I just want to encourage you to go to the Lord. Plug yourself in. Ask him specifically, even right now, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to change? What's the mindset? Because it's there. If you've decided to follow Jesus, he is already in you, ready to empower you to be the light that you're called to be. It's already handled. We just have to turn the switch on. Just got to plug in. As they come out and they lead us in this time, will you, will you pray with me? Father God, um, there is a lot of darkness in our world. It's a sinful world. We're really good at spiraling downhill sometimes, sometimes even individually, let alone together as a culture at times. And, but Lord, when your light shows up, it changes things. The darkness is expelled. We are able to see you more clearly and life is available. And Lord, for those of us that have already decided to follow you, we are also the light alongside you. And when we, we bring your goodness and your grace, your mercy and your love and your patience to the table, we slowly but surely help that darkness be removed from those areas as well. And so maybe it's our family, maybe it's signing up to finally build that relationship in our community, whatever it is. Jesus, lead us to a place to where we trust who you've made us to be and show us the wonder of what it would mean to bring light to some of the darkest places of our world. Guide us, help us, mold us, Jesus. In your name we pray.